want to thank everyone for tuning in to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. And thank you for continuing to share the show with your friends and, you know, co-workers, wherever you happen to know and enjoy podcasts. Um, while you're sharing it, if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Podbean, where our show originates from, anywhere that you can give us a five-star rating would be appreciated. It helps us climb up the metrics and be able to bring more content to you. And if you've always wondered, hey, what do they look like while recording the show? Well, for almost a year now, we have been streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash geek in the city you can interact with uh, fellow listeners you can interact with us you know what we just have a great time every week hanging out and being you know just the nerds that we are we all have a lot of fun we would love you to join us twitch.com forward slash geek in the city as always the podcast will always be free and let's get it started right now why, hello, and welcome to issue 704 of Geek in the City Radio. That one was me this time. All right. <laughs> I was like, I made sure. That one was me. Welcome to issue 704 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Pinarita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashitani. What's up, everybody? It is over 100 degrees. Yes, it is. It is disgusting. It's gross. It's super disgusting. Um, and remember... PGE wants you to maybe save a buck on your next bill by not turning on any kind of air conditioning during the hottest time of the day. Do your part. I'm sorry, what? Just okay. like all the rich people will totally do their part. No, they won't. No. it's If they were, our PGE bills wouldn't be as high as they are. Correct. Um, there is, uh, like... <laughs> I fully am behind the very real, it's like, it is one thing that the city is this hot. Yes. That in and of itself is problematic. Yes. Should not be the case. But what's going to make it worse all the way around the line is when one of the power stations explodes and it inevitably will. If we continue at this heat level for too many days and everyone is overtaxing the grid, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, they'll do rolling brownouts. Mm-hmm. They mentioned it yesterday. They don't foresee it needing to happen. Because after tomorrow, we're supposed to go down to like just like. Into the 90s. 95. Sure. Yeah, just. Um, I, I, I would like you. You, you know me. I don't want to. I want to. I don't want to condone violence towards anyone or anything. But please tell the next person that says that climate change is a myth. Just slap them. Don't engage them in any sort of argument. Don't present them with facts. Just slap them. Light them on fire and tell them they're not on fire. Allegedly. Don't do that. Don't. Like. Somebody do it. I'd like to at least start with seeing if we can physically give a reset to kind of shake them out of their cognitive dissonance. All right. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Cool. Cool. I could. Okay. All right. You have more faith in, in people than. Than I do, I guess. You're right, I do. Yeah, the, the, that's this true. Is, yeah, this is that, known. This is known. <laughs> like, uh, I know we were going for a bit there, but but I I actually do. I do have faith in people. It is faith in the my, heart. You're making it worse. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is both uh, uh, my greatest strength and greatest weakness. Yeah, is my continued belief in the human race. 
Yeah. Do it. It's gonna. It's. I feel like there's no safe direction for this conversation to go now. Yeah. And I, I regret taking it in this direction. Oh, to begin please with. don't. <laughs> I, this is fine. Like, I I know that uh, other that humanity is going to be my downfall. It won't be cancer. Ooh. It'll just be humans. <laughs> well, having a body is really what's going to do you in. Yeah. Boy, isn't that the truth? Yep. Guess what happened a year ago? Yep. It was not a year ago. It was a year ago. It was. To this show, one year. It was later in the month. No. No, because I waited a whole week to go to the hospital. So next Tuesday is when I would finally go to... Next Monday was when I would finally go to the hospital. Hmm. I I know when I had my own stroke, Bean. We were interviewing um, Taylor from... Yep, Witch Hunt Theater. Witch Hunt Theater. Yes, about so, their September show. Oh my God! Are you about to like exact date fact checked? Yes, I is. am now because we're we're doing this. We, we have to. No, that's all. Do. No, we. No, and and it's it's not about being right. I just need to know now. Okay, you sure it's not about being right? I mean, it could be both. It's about being right. <laughs> anyway, I have been having weird feels today because you know a year ago I almost you know died. So it would have been the 23rd. No. Because I went into the hospital on the 24th. Did the show go up a week late? Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yes, it did. Okay. Very well. Because I was, you know, in no condition to play on the computer for a whole week. What with being bedridden and MRIs and horrible things happening. And then I remember because I felt guilty that I a, wasn't doing a new show and hadn't uploaded the old one yet. Mm-hmm. From like the hospital bed. Mm-hmm. So yes, the show did go up late. Okay, I what I remembered was that that episode was at the end of the month. So what I did not remember <laughs> is that uh, you were a little preoccupied. Yep. Yes. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks before because we were trying to. It was for Death Race. Mm-hmm. That's why we were. Yes, we were. Something. We were getting yeah. ready to go. Which do was that. like in the month. My doctor's like, you're not doing an outdoor. Oh no! Jumping physical activity. It was less than that. It was labor, like it was just after Labor Day week. I was supposed to go to Disneyland the next week, right? And they're like, "You're not doing that either." You know. Yep. (laughs) And I had never been back since. Anyway, so if my brain seems extra scattered, that's why. Um, Of course, you can't post to some channels. Why would this work correctly? Maybe we should be just take this week off every year, like a like a holiday. Aaron didn't die one more year holiday. Yeah. Second birthday. I mean that that's what that's a lot of people do that. Well, actually. we're here now. Hey. Our, our friend Matthew does. I that. know. That actually struck me a couple hours ago. I was like, do I want to do the show? Yes, because we have a guest coming on later. That's yes. right. Uh we have Martin coming on. We've had him on the show before. I have a whole thing. I did the thing. Okay, great. So it's not loading. And then, yeah. <laughs> And he's going to talk about the uh, independent film, short film he is trying to crowdsource through Seed and Spark, based on a story that I wrote a couple of years ago, part of my 13 Days of Halloween series, back when I was better on my Patreon. <laughs> You've been busy. I've been a lot days. of things, yeah. It's been a year. I don't, it has been a year. Um, you know, stroke, recovery, relationships, home life. New job, trying to get more comics made, 
Yeah, I think that's uh, it. Doesn't it, there's really not much else. It's only like five life. bullet points, but that's pretty much life, really. That's mm-hmm. that. That's mm-hmm. all of it. So there it is. That is a lot of bullet points for a person. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited to have Martin on. It's gonna be great. Uh, but in the meantime, before he logs on, I think we have stuff behind behind you guys. Oh, you want to do that now? Yeah, let's do it now. Why not? Cable, okay, look behind you. Oh, and a ghost will follow you home. Or a dinosaur. Or a dinosaur. There, there are dinosaur boxes. Right dinosaur there. boxes. Dinosaur boxes. You can't link the. It's not Tetris cable. So, what is the purpose of these? Someone had a birthday, even though they don't like to talk about. It. Oh no, I don't mind talking about it. I just don't celebrate. Man, I don't celebrate until like 2026. Well, it's we want to celebrate your birthday. Cool, thank you. That's what we did That's against your will. We are celebrating you. That's right. I'm not saying you can't. Happy freaking birthday, like it. No, we wanted you to have these. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. Open these. I can open these. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, speaking of a ghost to follow you home, I did see the Haunted Mansion movie finally. How was it? If you're a Haunted Mansion fan, you're going to fucking love it. Okay. Uh, if you're not a Haunted Mansion fan, you're going to be like, okay, it's a run-of-the-mill Disney supernatural comedy mm. family movie. Okay. You know. That has Jarrett Leto, but you don't recognize him because it's the Hatbox ghost. It doesn't mm. even sound like him. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's have, the cage one, right? How the kids do this on the TikTok? The Grimlock. Grimlock. Well, I don't Grim think you keeper. need to. If Grim it's keeper. bigger than, the back a dinosaur. than your hand, I don't think you need to put your hand behind it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's for visibility. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. That's very cool. The Lego toy that puts children in a chest cage. <laughs> yeah, this is like Vecna. Like again. The villain of this show is a lich. Goddamn right he is. I don't, I don't uh, care I did, what they tell you. I did receive the ship. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, that pre-order I made live on the show showed up a couple, like last week. Nice. Now I just need time to build it. And we're just we're just gonna not talk about the part where little children know what a lich is and have dreams about them. Yeah, I mean, kids designed this series, yeah. right? That's what I'm saying. Speaking yeah. of, it's the Lich, yeah. the Lich in question, <laughs> or the Nightmare <laughs> King, the Night. Uh, and for anyone who's watched Dreams so far, this this would be the Merrick minifig. Here's a bigger version right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Like watching the show, it's still very unnerving to go. This is Aaron and Denise and Christian and Merrick and me. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Just like in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, you were there and you were there. <laughs> like you were like the things that just came out of Mateo. I'm like I I've, I've heard you say these things. <laughs> no. Yes, I've watched a few of them. Yeah. Yes. And yes. It, it just solidifies it even more. And then there's the lovely little Mrs. Castillo mm-hmm. and, and her little taco truck. I love that thing. Meet me. Fuck that. Her little turtle taco truck. Her little truck. turtle taco truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds, mm, well, thank tacos. you very much. I'm a, I have, for the first time in a long time, a backlog of 
Lego sets that I have not put together. That's not a bad thing. I think I have four other sets at home that I haven't even bothered to crack open. Man. One of them's the Shrimp Shack. Oh, excellent. Yeah. We have matching sets. Yes. And and I'm going to have a couple more because I entered in... Oh, that's right. You won the adult... Yes. Um, contest for uh, Brickdiculous. Yeah. So here's. So I entered the Brickdiculous Spider Man uh, build uh, mock contest. Mm-hmm. And um, had there not been age categories, yeah. I would have happily pulled myself <laughs> out of contention. Right. Uh, because I was the only adult that oh. entered. There were eight entries. Seven of them were children under the age of 14. Which makes sense. I mean, that's... And, and yeah. then me. Uh, so I was the only... Even James is like, it's disappointing because yours is a good... It's like, it is a legitimately good build that should have had competition against it. I mean, you win by default. Yeah. But you may have won anyway, depending on what people walk through the door with. Right. Yeah, and I'm trying not to take it personal because I do marketing for him, and it's just social media is just making it harder and harder. But that it you part of it is that a marketing person. person is now a full time job. If you are not creating content 24 hours a day for your clients, mm-hmm. at it's just yeah. And and small businesses can't afford to play to pay a content influencer for a full-time job, which is what they are now. Nope. Yep. Um, yeah, it's... I, I don't... <laughs> to... In your defense, that that isn't all on you. Um, it is also... Like... Portlug meets at his shop. They knew about the contest. That is true. And I, and I messaged them a few times being like, hey, do you want to talk about this? Never heard back from them. Yeah. Um, but what? In this town? <laughs> no right. follow through in Portland? It's like one of the very first things I learned about this city. <laughs> that no one follows through or follows up or communicates? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, hello, sir or ma'am. I would like to give you money and and and, and business. Uh, okay. These are the things that I would like to purchase from you. How much do you charge? Crickets. Crickets. Yep. Right. Um, oh, sorry. Itchy eye. But yeah, like, so yes, I won by default. The the kids who won, they did great. Like they did, um, it made it so that James was able to give a team of three that made a build. Mm-hmm. Uh, each, they were supposed to get um, the one prize and they would have to split what they get. Right. He's like, we've got enough. I'm just going to go ahead and give one, like the first place prize to each member of the team. Which is pretty great. Uh, but the, those prizes are forthcoming. I think it's when we go and pick our our, our sets up in a couple weeks. Right. So, uh, because I think he still has to get them signed by Bendis. Yeah, that's cool. So you're, Wh- getting, the, cool. you're getting the Miles Morales, like the large kind of, I always call them the Bionicle figures. Right. It's I, I refer to them as the build, buildable figures. Okay. Because um, that's what they were coining them as when they started that with Star Wars. Okay. But the buildable figures uh, of Mild Morales and then a 
set that has uh, Morbius and Miles Morales in it, and a, and a big vampire car for Morbius. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why he has a vampire car, but you know. Same reason why Spider-Man has the, the buggy. Well, that's because the spider buggy is cool. It is cool. Um, it also can do whatever a spider can. Yes. Yeah. Um, I. So yeah, it, I'm. I was glad for the experience. I was glad to participate in the contest and. and uh, no, that's I, cool. I look forward to the next one that holds <clears throat> because I'm going to continue to. Uh, to like sit down and, and make something for a competition. Nice. I know they had the. Uh, the brick art print too, which was cool. Yeah, I'm not sure how many people showed up, but it was a cool idea because, again, it's hard to get the word out on these things. It, after running a gallery for fifteen years, it's yeah. a lot of it is just you have to, you just have to be there. <laughs> you have to consistently. If I mean the space itself, you just have to consistently be there. Yeah. And your audience will find you eventually. Yeah, I, I was getting a lot of like, "Oh, this sounds cool." Sorry, I missed it. When did you talk about it? And I was like, "We started posting about it two months ago." Yep. And at least three times a week, we brought it up. Oh, the same reason why whenever now we talk to someone who wants to be on the show to talk about an event coming up, mm-hmm. I'm like, "You need to come on a month early," yeah. because it just takes people weeks to to catch up with everything. So that's just the thing. It's like, um, oh yeah, I just listened to that show. It's too bad I missed that thing. Right. I'm telling you, newsletters. I ha- it, have one. Well, I'm not telling you, the colloquial oh, you. Okay. I know you're doing a, a thing. We had a whole <clears> conversation <throat> about it. Yep. Although I haven't done much with it either, either lately because everything. Um, newsletters. That's, that's, that's secondary. To... Newsletters take a lot of time. I do oh, like that I we're, know. I do love that we're basically back to live journaling. Like we've just come back to that kind of thing. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I'm super jazzed for you. Um, Thanks. Yeah. I was kind of bummed the other thing I don't think is going to happen this summer that they had planned. What was? What did they have Can't talk about it on the show. Oh. Okay. Talk about it afterwards. Well, that, I, I'm preemptively bummed. Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and I've got, I've got some credit there. I've got to know what I thing is i have way less space than even before Mm -hmm. to show sets now Mm -hmm. and like i want the blacksmith set even though it's getting harder and harder to get um i don't really give a shit about the movie hocus pocus i did finally watch it and i realized oh i had to be a certain age to watch this the first time oh yeah because i i couldn't even finish it and it's not it's just like it was not made for someone who's in their mid-40s i i watched the whole thing it is a fine movie it's fine it's just um, completely serviceable. Um, there's n- nothing wrong with it. It is also not a horror movie. Yeah. It is a Halloween movie. But right. It is not a horror movie. But the house looks cool, the Lego yeah, set. Yes. So I kind of want the house. I kind of want the Hocus. I don't really care about the, the main characters. I just like the house. Yeah. Because it would fit well into a medieval village. With the medieval village. And next year, we're finally getting like the D&D 50th Lego set with the dragon and i believe it comes with an adventure to uh, yeah to use the set so uh-huh. i want all that um and like that'll link up really well with my haunted house and the maybe the lighthouse like all mm-hmm. these things i'll mm-hmm. just make a creepy spooky coastal town oh. yeah that, that, that's what you should do you should do 
All right. Well, you know what? I do believe our guest is here. Should we invite him? Yes. Before we have our guest join us, we're going to talk about our sponsors. So uh, first up, we have got Revnat of Revnat's Hard Cider. Be sure to check out his new tap room on Southeast 35th and Division. You know, a, a cool, refreshing cider is perfect for these hellmouth days that we now live in. Um, but you know what? Um, you know, sometimes alcohol isn't that great for you when it's really hot out. It dehydrates you even faster. Which is why right now, is say you haven't tried his new NA ciders, this is the perfect time. So go and check them out. They're only in the tap room right now, but I think you can get growlers to go of even his NA stuff. So you know what? You want that tasty, cold, crisp cider taste and flavor, but without the dehydrate, dehydrating, without the effects of alcohol for various reasons? Check out Revnat's all-new line of NA ciders. I've tried them both. They are actually quite delicious. They're not just juice with, like, sipping vinegar. Like, they're, they're, like some science went into this. Like, more science than just regular brewing. So, yeah, check them out. And when you do, say, hey, I heard about this on Geek in the City Radio. Just like from where we record from, Guardian Games. They are the city's premier game store. You can find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Um, you know, Bigby's Dragon Book came out on D&D, if you're a dragon person. Um, you know, if you all, oh, dragon, oh my god, I meant giants, if you're a giant person. But I got confused because they knew, almost like a, remember back in the day, there was the, uh, like the, the pirateology and dragonology, like they were really pretty books with like dragons and pirates and whatever. Well, there's basically a version of that, again, for dragons, but it's very, like, World of D&D focused. There's no stats. It's just a cool dragon book. Um, and, of course, any other game you might want to play, you know, there's the all-new version of uh, Warhammer 40K or Warhammer 40,000, as Henry Cavill says. Anyway, what I'm saying is that Guardian Games has, you know, all the games you might want and more. And Gundam. Because why not add more obsessions? So check them out. And when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. And hey, if you have like a nerdy or geeky business, especially if you're local or you have an event, drop us a line at gitcradio at gmail.com or just, you know, comment on anywhere we post. If uh, you'd like to advertise with us, we have proven results and you know that your ad and your product is going to hit the exact market you want. Geek in the City Radio, which we're going to get back to right now. Denise, welcome our guest. <laughs> All right. We have here on the show a friend of the show, a local filmmaker, uh, erstwhile co-host, Martin Bevra. That's true. Hey. <laughs> uh, you're here, Martin, to talk to us about the movie that you are working on with Aaron. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And I want to say happy belated birthday to Cable as well. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how the rest of you are for a good portion of my existence. I've been really terrible with birthdays and remembering birthdays. And uh, when I stumble across and remember a friend's birthday, it's like, oh, I got to input that in the calendar or put that in their profile in my phone because it's just not a thing that sticks with me at all. Yep. Nope. I get that. And also don't feel bad. bad. So for almost 15 years, I put my mom's wrong birthday in Google calendar. <laughs> so it was always the day after. Where now she didn't even now she doesn't even expect me to call her on her birthday. 
because I just recently <laughs> fixed it like last year. And literally every year, my mom's like, thanks, Miho. It was yesterday. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I know uh, like four people's birthdays, like the dates off the top of my head. Okay. Maybe another four if I like stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I will know when those dates are coming up. But the actual day of nothing. It's like the, the, the information just deletes the moment I, I actually need it. Like, you know, it's coming, but the brain's like, we ain't going to remind you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you reminded me a week and a half ago when it wasn't useful. And uh, and now nothing. Wait. Not you, my brain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what did I do this time? No, not you. You're not in, she, you're not in charge of she, telling me when birthdays are. She rarely means you specifically. That's true. It's, always, it's the you. royal we. Yes. Have I changed my way of speaking? No, you haven't. <laughs> no, but I've noticed over the last year, uh, my brain has rewired itself a little. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's because it's, it's rerouting synapses and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, all the. In, and, in and, what way? Know, Star Trek stuff. <laughs> Techno babble. In, in that, I, I think he means in that way that uh, when there's been damage from a stroke, mm -hmm. for instance, <laughs> the, yeah, it, absolutely, you know, yeah. So, you have to create you, new pathways. Yep, you're you're part of the mycelium network now. I mean, that would be sweet. <laughs> Just cool. Giant tardigrades showing up in transporter bays and whatnot. Get ready for black alert. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the sound. Mm -mm. Cables is close. Yeah. I still had beer yeah. going down my throat. Yes. <laughs> beer alert. <laughs> 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 All right, enough about us. Martin, let's talk about your movie. Okay, let's. Absolutely. Uh, well, I know Aaron's talked about it a little bit, but why don't we get from your perspective how this got started? How I got started. So I, I bought the shorts volume one. Uh, which is uh, Aaron's, that's the 13 Days of Halloween compendium that he was doing for Patreon folks and all of that. And so uh, I have a pretty good, I have a pretty extensive, almost complete uh, bibliography of, of Aaron's writing. Oh, thank you. So that was just one, that was just one to add to the, add to the pile, you know. Um, unlike most of the books that are in my library, I've read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh you, you know what i got it and uh i read through the stories um there was another one that we had worked on for a little while i don't know if i can mention the name because i know there was some stuff that was going on so i i won't bring it up but there was yeah, one... go ahead i don't care so uh adelita was one um mm -hmm. like just like visually, that thing, that story, just really, really, really stuck with me. And oh, the uh, the one that takes place in the storm where she hunts somebody down in the cabin. Yes, yeah, and uh, and I think you've got. Are there three Adelita stories or two Adelita stories in the volume one? Volume one has it's at least two of the Adelita stories. Yeah, there's nine in the in the little compendium one. Mm -hmm. There's nine of them. There's nine. I love that my... it with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. One day I will finalize the uh, the novella because there's like a five thousand word finale to that story arc that oh wow I've written and have never edited or put in book format. I actually hired <laughs> someone to do a cover for like a pulp, like a yellow. What are they calling? No, 
penny dreadful. Whatever mm-hmm. they used to do in the old West, yellow journalism was the shitty journalism, right? Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. Trying to, <laughs> my brain is yeah, but to look you, like a tattered old Hulk, yeah, yeah. yeah, do it like a the, Louis L'Amour Western kind of a style. So the woman I hired, I said, make it look like an old beat ass Louis L'Amour cover that you would have mm-hmm. found like in your grandfather's basement. <laughs> oh my god! And she yeah. did, and it's righteous. And one day I will put it all together and crowdsource it. <laughs> Nice. Well, Adelita is still one of those that I think about. Um, there's a, a another one that's in there uh, that is uh, up to the task. That's another one that's stuck with me for years. And I've talked to Aaron about doing that one too. And I've, I've actually kind of outlined that one into being a feature, but I haven't gotten past uh, like a really ugly rough outline. That's uh, and really terrible, but it's just, it's like, I don't mind holding back up to the bat up to the task is the zombie one, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So in, this, in this one, the world like the zombie apocalypse has happened and we've all moved on. Mm-hmm. But now there are specific jobs and your job is to nail a corpse to a coffin. So it doesn't come back up. And to once it resurrects, to put it down so people can still have funerals and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like putting a toothpick in your sandwich. Something like that, but with a, like a nail gun, like literally like, <laughs> If yeah, if your deep fear is that the pickle is gonna make a break for it and do damage on the way out, and Denise, you nailed it. Out. You did it. That's often, <laughs> that's, that's often what I, I expect. Out of <laughs> anyway, I could also see a sort of like an Iron Maiden style uh, configuration working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to use actual iron because that that would get really expensive and unwieldy. But lots of smaller. Well, that would hold pins. them in place. Right. Is that not the goal? Am the I goal misunderstanding? Is, is to keep them in their coffin for burial. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it's oh, you're talking about that's a, that's a pretty a coffin <laughs> with the concept of Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah a coffin in the style no, of Iron okay. Maidens. It's this whole thing where, like, the nail they're called nailers unofficially, and they, yes. yeah, they pin them down, then they end their existence completely. But nailers are like government employees because they realize that letting people do it themselves big chunk of family just can't bring themselves to put their zombie daddy down. Mm. So the government like mandated, like if you have someone die, you must immediately contact the office of blah, blah, blah. We send a nailer out. They hang out the back of the room of like a funeral <laughs> and wait for their turn to do their thing. So, yeah. And I, and I, man, I love that story and the whole <laughs> setup that is played out in there. Um, it, it's, it was so good, but uh, it was the way of things which is the one that I am currently trying to do was the one that really stuck with me mm-hmm. the most. And uh, it was a combination of things. And it's, it, it, you know, the story really deals with keeping some family secrets, uh, a, a young daughter who is trying to get the attention and the approval of a parent and struggling against that. And then it goes into a flashback about this parent being in that same position and, uh, the sacrifice that the father has to make for all of this, uh, why they are in the present that they are, that Aaron starts the story about. Um, and as I was, Aaron and I were messaging today, and I'm actually in a, I'm in a, a very compromised position with my family right now because of this film, because they really feel that this film has, uh, and the campaign has outed them in a way, and they're very upset with me. Um, and I have talked about the family trauma and the family secrets and let them know that it's not a part of this film or anything, but, uh, the way of things really spoke 
to it. <laughs> the difference being is that in the way of things, even though there are secrets that are being held and people are holding holding back this secret of a forest god, it's well intended, and and there is a yeah. well intended sacrifice. There there are care. There's caring in there, uh, which is not anything like my situation <laughs> whatsoever. I actually was yearning to have a parent like Tabitha. <laughs> <laughs> Tabitha's the mom. Very much so the mom. Yeah. So. Well, um, a lot of it was very much inspired by, I don't want to give too much. Well, people who probably read the short would know this. Like part of it was inspired by me um, mushroom foraging mm-hmm. and kind of falling in love with the idea of like a creature that, lives and resurrects but needs decay to do it and needs like a fuel source mm. um and another part of it is like i'm i'm a big fan of like the creepy monster thing that isn't actually a monster it just is what it is like the guillermo del toro thing of like yeah this thing's beautiful it's also a monster doesn't mean it's not beautiful mm-hmm. and it does what it does you cannot apply human morality to what it does um, and that's the creature in it. And then our uh, mutual friend, all of us, like when she read it, uh, Tara up in Alaska was like, can I draw this thing? Like, I love this visual. Can I draw it? I think we posted a picture of the drawing over a year ago now. Well, and she's I, great with mythical. Uh, yeah, that was up her wheelhouse. Like, you mean yeah. a mythical, weird, creepy forest fungus monster that looks like a deer? Yeah. It's also inspired by like the, like, deer people and like skinwalker mm-hmm. not in the way skinwalkers are um but the visuals were mm-hmm. very much inspired by aesthetic. that aesthetic yeah the aesthetic which martin you want to say that led into somebody else getting involved yeah so you know i uh i, I reached out to aaron i talked about the story uh, i wrote i wrote a couple of different versions of the story which doesn't uh do the flashback and and plays out with the father it actually plays out in the present day with tabitha and her daughter fiona it references uh the past and so it it brings up the the origin story that aaron has in there so um but Aaron said yes, and then, then has has read my rewrites through all of that stuff. But I started going through and, and obviously looking at the illustration and all of that. And I started doing a bunch of research, which it also turned out that um, a lot of the ideas, I had ideas, I was making sketches. Turns out the Finns had a creature called the uh, a god, a forest god called the Hisi, in which people sacrifice to the god for a successful harvest or a successful hunt, uh, but a harvest in the forest, not in the fields. Um and then they have these creatures yeah. called the Elk of Hisi. And, and what I had been drawing was kind of a mishmash between the god Hisi and then their little minion elk. So I was doing all of this stuff and uh, I really, really wanted an excuse to be able to work with someone and reach out to them. Uh, and through a mutual friend, I was like, hey, I would really like to do this. It's someone that I met back in 2007. Um, you know, they were never going to remember me. I bumped into him a few times here and there. And so I reached out to this mutual friend and they were like, well, here's an email. He, he loves to help. He loves... So it was Toby Froud, uh, you know, who, if you don't know, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio just won an Academy Award. And he was part of that team that did the creation of design. He's the designer and the fabricator for that. He moved to Portland to get on uh, with, uh, he was on Kubo and the Two Strings and a bunch of other Leica stuff. He came on at Paranorman. Uh, and was the designer and fabricator for those things. Now with the Dark Crystal, 
for Netflix, and he, right? And he did. He worked. He was the designer and fabricator for the creatures and characters of the Dark Crystal, the Age of Resistance, which is so good and so mm-hmm. beautiful. And it should have had more seasons. And I despise Netflix for the way they run their business. That's a whole other show. It's whole like other show. About but on uprising, getting canceled from. The- oh, it's just it's just heartbreaking. But his work is just astounding and beautiful. Um, and so I, I reached out to him and sent him an email and I said, can I send you the script? And then I sent him the script of where it was at that point in time. And he just said, I love it. I'd really love to be involved. Let's go get a coffee. So we went and got a coffee and I showed him a bunch of my sketches that I had. And I'm like, this is what I'm thinking. He's like, well, what do you, what do you want? And I said, well, I really would love you to be on the film, but I don't know what to offer you or what to do. And he's like, well, I will, I'll create this maquette of the creature. I'll take your sketches. I'll take your ideas. And I also gave him reference ideas that I had in there that I'd been building off of and I'll create something. And a week later he had literally built this, like it's a, it's about 10, 12 inch tall maquette of the creature from the waist up. Um, uh, obviously infinitely better than any of the sketches or anything that I had done. And one of the keys, very similar to what Aaron was talking about is one of the key components. I just, I really had this idea of like, if I want this forest God to be able to like pull the decay and the rot and the things together that manifests its corporeal body at that moment. Right. And so even like a skull um, and I had sent the picture on before there was uh, that you guys have had had on the show and, um, so there's a skull and it's a moose skull. It has moose antlers, but the moose antlers has a lot of like brows and greens and things growing out of it. And the moose skull actually turns into uh, a raven skull out on the end on part of it. So it's just it's just these different things. And the build had mushrooms and, and ferns and all these different things that were just a part of it. So that was probably the moment where it felt the most real that we were making this film. Yeah, I remember when... Um... Martin sent it to me. I was like, because he'd mentioned like Toby Froud, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And not that, well, a little cynical in my head. I was like, I, and, and not that I thought like Martin was like feeding me a line, but he knows things. He's worked in film. You have both have worked some form of creative thing where it's like you're promised something from somebody, and you're like, well, we'll see when it happens. Right. And that's kind of how I felt when Martin was like, hey, Toby Froud wants to like do something. I'm like, that'd be awesome. In my head, I'm like, he doesn't have the time. He's going to want can't afford him. And then like a few days later, Martin sends me the picture of the maquette. And I was like, what the shit? (laughs) He just made it? Like, holy crap. So, yeah. Yeah, it was completely nuts. And I had the same reaction too. I got this email and Toby's like, hey, here's what I kind of whipped up. Tell me what you think. And, you know, if you if you have some changes or ideas, just let me know. And I was like, this is better than anything I'll ever think of in a in 10 of my lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just so good. And that's that was when it just became the most real and I and I became the most uh, driven to be able to, to put this together. Right. I like that it's, it's something I just whipped up. Yeah. So you so a little over a week ago you launched a campaign on Seed and Spark to fund it. I did. So I started putting some people together. Uh some people came, some people went. Um, but Aaron's always been in the loop with this kind of thing. I had a a a, a, a an actor very specifically I that I thought of while I was writing my version of all of this. And I had reached out to her. Her name is Tara Platt. 
Uh, if any of you are in any of the animation world, Tara Platt and Yuri Lowenthal, who have literally done their IMDb's, have hundreds of credits. Yuri Lowenthal is uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man in the Sony video game of Spider-Man 1 from 2018, now Spider-Man 2 that's out, mm-hmm. some of the highest selling video games of all time. Uh, Tara Platt is also in those uh, and just a ton of anime. Uh, if you're a fan of Ruby, that's done by Rooster Teeth. Uh, she's one of the primary characters in Ruby. Um, so Tara's just done a ton of stuff. But the thing with Tara is, and Yuri is that they want to be doing live action as much as voiceover, but people don't give them credit for any of that. So Tara's on board. Um, a buddy of mine who was in a film that I did back in 2018 called Benahui, he was my creature suit actor, uh, is on board for doing this, this suit. Um, so I just, yeah, I just had these people and I've been trying it. It took me months to actually put together a campaign and do it on seed and spark. So it is live, um, to green light. The film is $30,000. Uh, and, and so for all the people that are listening and you're wondering why I'm doing it $30,000, because a lot of people try to ask for like 10 or $15,000. I'm trying to pay a proper wage. There's a light item in there for Aaron. Aaron gets paid as a writer. He's literally getting a WGA wage out of this thing. My actor, Tara, is getting a sag after a wage for this thing. Uh, but the other people in the crew are not actually getting full day rates. They're probably closer to probably like 75% rates. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not getting paid a single thing. And I, so and I'm producing, I'm directing I'm no longer editing. I can really, I can talk about the editor. I had an editor come on board named Jesse Averta, who is an Emmy award-winning editor for Sesame Street, as well as uh, Disney films. He reached out to me on Twitter and he was like, hey, if you don't have an editor, I'll do this. I'm like, oh my goodness. And we had to talk. He's like, yep, I'll do it. He's like, you don't even have to pay me because I'm already getting paid by Disney to do this other stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, I have to do these special effects too. And he's like, oh no, I'll do the special effects. It's all good. Wow. And also, like, I talked with Martin about this. It's not in the official campaign because it's an unofficial capacity. But I have a friend through Comic People. He works for a design house in L.A. And he has offered to do the title sequences for the way of things pro bono. Uh, he's the guy that does the bulk of the Marvel title sequences, not counting Secret Invasion. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also designed almost every poster, promo poster you've liked for the last decade for Marvel. Okay. That's him. He, if his time allows, he would also do a poster. He did the new Loki poster. And so, Aaron, when you you messaged me and I was like, oh, this is cool. This is going to be somebody who's... And then you sent me a picture. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Get him now. Get him. <laughs> um, but this all really... Ha- this does All this requires the campaign to be a success. Which is tricky right now because everyone's kind of low on funds yep. and social media does make it hard to share campaigns. Like they kind of bury it. And if you're not already like a known quantity, it could be really hard to get your name out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, Tara Platt, Yuri Lowenthal were kind of my aces in the hole with some stuff. Obviously, Toby Froud, but he's not very active on things. But uh, Yuri and, and Tara were all in. And then uh, you know, obviously Elon bought Twitter and then all went away and started, st- things started changing and everything got crazy. But when the blue check marks went away and that got changed into something else, um, they lost a significant part of their audience and not just that, but their engagements tanked and, you know, used to, they could do a live event on Instagram where they would do, they did live signings all the time of pictures and people would be live on Instagram and they'd promote it on Twitter 
and there and they would have thousands of people would show up and would uh, buy pictures from them live online while they were signing them from their studio. They can't get anybody to show up for any of that stuff anymore. The engagements just disappeared because it's that they're not spreading hate. They're not doing terrible stuff. So it just all tanked. Yeah. And that's the rough spot about when you're someone like this type of indie creator, like you still need these things to get the word out because all the other venues have been closed but yeah, if we wanted to like, yeah, it's just well look at look, look at who we had the other day, Aaron. Uh, yeah, we actually had Neil Gaiman like retweet and on Blue Sky like share like this is cool. Yeah, and it's I don't want to make this into like oh lament and woe is us, but it's frustrating. <laughs> like it's tough. It's a like, like Neil Gaiman is down for it. People are like, I still don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, we've gotten uh, we've gotten uh, two. We've gotten two pledges since Neil Gaiman reached his nearly four million person audience <laughs> on there, yeah. and it's and uh, my engagements on there because now they show you the analytics on Twitter and all of that stuff. It's hundreds of thousands of people have supposedly seen the tweet on their numbers, but it's only been retweeted probably about two dozen times and and liked by maybe about two or three dozen people over across four million folks. Yeah, it's just. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say positive about it. Like the yeah. story is really cool. The scripts is great. I, I, I have an idea where you'd film it, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I think we've talked about it in the past. There's an area just outside of Portland that is gorgeous and perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's now it's all about getting eyes and money behind it. You know, that's, you know, that's the nature of all creative endeavors though. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll make it a little easier for, um, it's on Seedon's Park. Uh, Seedon's Park is a, a crowdfunding thing, just like Go or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to sign up for. I literally backed the campaign while we were talking. Oh, thanks! Uh, oh, that's amazing. All I did Thank was you. go there. Well, you're welcome. Um, I, having worked in the art industry for years, I understand that the only way to support the arts is to support the arts. <laughs> right. Um, so in to do that, all you have to do is go. It You can sign up using your existing Google account. It mm-hmm. costs nothing to do any of that. You can literally give us five bucks. I have yeah. a, I have something that five bucks, and I'll give you a shout out and a poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is you know, and here's the other thing: we are now at least a year out from any of you all getting anything, something new. I don't mean this movie; I mean all movies. Oh yeah, all shows. Yeah. Uh, those of you who watched the season finale of Strange New Worlds, which was fantastic, I got bad news. You're two years out from part two. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Because of the writer strike and the actor strike. Like, that's um, the way of things is in line with both the WGA and SAG AFTRA. It's yep. budget. Um, these are the kind of movies that uh, SAG AFTRA and the WGA are like, go make these movies while we're on strike. You know, it's, it was a few weeks ago, like Mark Ruffalo did this whole video when he's like, if you're an independent filmmaker, 
and you didn't think that you could get so-and-so and so-and-so because of their schedule or their budget reasons, like you can get them now. And he's yep. like, and actors who want to do these things, do it now. Go do these things. Justine um, Bateman was really good to to jump in there and just say, hey, Mark, this is a really great idea. But just so you know, you've been getting these offers for a long time. and Your agent and manager don't give them to you. And that's <laughs> so on the that mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's not on Mark. That's on. Well, Absolutely. They're agents and they're managers. Yeah, slight yeah. tangent. That's why we never got Brad Pitt in what we do in the shadows. He <laughs> oh, wanted really? to do it. His agent and manager assumed it was beneath him. And when they found when he found out, he was like, Don't ever do that again. Yeah. I wanted to be on the show. That would have been fun to play yeah. like Louie one more time. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And it's and you know, they have had people like Robert Downey Jr., which I don't blame you for, but he said, Oh, I will never do low budget indie stuff. All of that, you don't know where your chair is gonna be, you don't know where the bathroom's gonna be, you don't know how the food's gonna be. I'm not showing up to that stuff. I only do like big Disney stuff. That's great. He's legacy, he's the Nepo kid, and he can afford to be able to do all of that stuff. And but for the others that, that yeah. want to that wanna do something and can believe in some stories. We, we got stories. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, if you are a, a, a listener who has been following anything about what's going on with the WGA strike or the sag AFRA strike, WEGA strike is now over 100 days. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple of days um, ago, it was 100 days. Yeah. So if you've been following any of that, then this is how you... If you had wished, man... I wish I had some way of saying this is what I want to see in entertainment. This, like, I wish I had some way of saying I support artists. I support the people making these things. Directly funding a movie like The Way of Things is exactly how you do that. Yeah. Thank, and you. thank you for saying that. That's huge. <laughs> I, I was thinking it's a fine line between like, please help us and be like, no, we just... <laughs> It, but it, it's like, I understand that. And I understand if both of you were coming from that angle, it was like, I don't want to sit here going, please. But we can certainly take it from the standpoint of we are artists and we are explaining and educating people how the arts work in a <laughs> capitalist society. Right. And it there it's not a, this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. It is... It is how things are. Um, mm-hmm. It will be. It will continue to be how things are until we change them. Um, right. We we have to educate everybody first. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. No, I, I'm just gonna like repeat probably what Cable is gonna say. Of like, we're kind of in the middle of the system, and right now we can't change it. Which means if you exist in late stage capitalism, but you like art, that's not put out by the three companies that kind of run everything um you have to pay for it there's like no because don't me wrong i i don't want to speak for martin but i could assume that if martin didn't have bills he would just make this movie same with me if i didn't have bills i would just write shit to make it and if people see it great if not whatever same with everyone involved in the arts i mean that's a known thing right we all know that that's exactly what would happen if, if not for the constantly trying to survive? Yeah, the, the four of so, us. Some, 
some people know that, you know, and it's I, I was having this discussion with someone the other day and it's, you know, the big thing about the arts. And when you look at the people who are successful and you can pick a name and there are the people who have gotten there because of nepotism or whatever. And I'm not knocking that. They got in. If they created great stuff, I love James Gunn's stuff. I love what he has done. There's several other people. I will always support Jamie Lee Curtis for the most part. I've loved, you know, the films mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis has made. But what makes it easier is surviving those times when you're creating art for free because you're building your portfolio. And I, you know, I don't know of any other job where you're building your portfolio on your own time for free in your basement, in your garage, in your attic, in back alleys, you're pulling together your friends, you're doing all of this stuff. Uh, I I don't think HVAC folks have to learn how to do HVAC on their, on their own spare time to be able to get a job, you know, wall street folks, even the apprentice trades, they're still paid while they're apprentices. Mm -hmm. Right. And so make actually, yeah. Artists Artists aren't Yeah. And then there's a whole like, well, if you wanted to make money, you shouldn't have gotten into this. And my argument is like all the things you love to read and watch and play that all took artists. It also all took tradespeople also. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing you hear about like, oh, you know, artsy fartsy liberal people don't have any real skills. First off, you'll be hard pressed to find anyone that works in the creative industry that also isn't pretty good at accounting and budgeting or carpentry or you know, or like uh, and out of necessity, out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of these productions get made also have truck drivers and carpenters and mm-hmm. electricians and welders. And like, it's, yeah, it's, they're going to get fed. You know, that's the, the that's, art, a, that's but, an expense. It's there's food. I'm paying for people's food. You know, we got to mm-hmm. feed them. Yeah. Yeah. If people wanted to apply what you said, Aaron, there, if people wanted to apply that same kind of metric, to healthcare system, well, you should have gotten into something else if you wanted to make money. Put, you know, put put that toward the healthcare system. Point it at that direction. Yeah, you know, uh, you're you're front loading the next Marvel film when you go and see the current Marvel film. You know that one's already <laughs> paid off. You know, you're paying ahead for this film, and you're going to be able to watch the way of things for free. It just is. Eventually, it's either going to go out to all the people who paid for it or it's going to go out for free somewhere else on YouTube after it makes any kind of a festival run or pays us off in some way of getting some leverage. But um, people are going to see it for free and it's paid for. The next Marvel movie is paid for the same way. <laughs> they just didn't have to start a Seed and Spark or an Indiegogo to do it. So when you yeah. go to the movie theater, you're front loading the next film. Right. <laughs> you just I are. Like, I feel like Aaron probably knows more about this and you probably know about this, but I, like Denise and I don't work in film and haven't worked in film. Um, um, all of my film experience, like 80% of my film experience, uh, Martin was there for. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so oh, that, that was my set. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's um, when people do independent films like this, you're talking about like the people who back it get to see it. That is, it is so hard to get the film in front of people in the first place. Like we uh, went to the Portland Internet uh, Portland International or not Portland, the Horror Fest Horror Portland Horror Festival yeah yeah last year and I am still tracking a bunch of those directors their films are still making their way through festival circuits 
trying to get into a larger distribution hub. The, yeah, mm-hmm. like there are some movies that we still think about and are st- like can still be moved by yeah. fully mm-hmm. a year later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nobody like in the general public knows about it. Like they don't even know it yep. exists. Yep. Yeah. There was, I went, uh, so I had, my film was in there in 2020 or 2021, something like that. I had a short mm-hmm. in there. And then I was at Portland Horror Film Festival this year, watched a bunch of shorts and a, and a bunch of features and great shorts. Amazing. Mostly out of Scandinavia, just fantastic <laughs> films. Yeah, those people are putting out weird movies. <laughs> they're weird oh, and they're God, good, but they're yeah. shot well. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, there is a, uh, there's a filmmaker out of Canada, Lisa Ovis, um, who made a feature film that's called The Puppet Murders. And I think it was shot back in 2019. And it's like this goofy fun, but, you know, completely sloppy, gory horror fest where it's literally like uh, like an Elmo on the rampage killing folks kind of thing. And it's just schlocky, great fun. So that film can't get distribution because somebody else made a claim against it. That film's been done since 2019 and somebody made a claim against it who had nothing to do with the production. So they're tied up legally and they don't have the money to be able to fight it. In the meantime, yeah. that, 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 that person can't go off to get other films and other jobs because nobody can see that films. And that's the thing that's like the ticket that has a couple hundred thousand dollars spent into it. Meanwhile, there's a new film getting ready to come out that's called Slother House. That is a complete ripoff of her film. And it's a puppet sloth going around killing people. And it's like a studio stole that stole that story. Yep. They ripped it off. Because uh, they can. Because other because you know, she doesn't have the leverage to fight them. Nope. Right. Well, we've got we've actually got a question from Norm in Texas. Mm. Um he asked, What horror vibe are you going for in the film? Seven uh was it 70s, 70s era hammer, 80s slasher, 90s paranormal, 2000 handheld? Um, yeah. Um, none of those. Um, uh, in <laughs> so I'm I am a huge, huge Guillermo del Toro fan. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that this story stuck with me is because of how it also made me feel like Pan's Labyrinth. Um, and if you want to consider Pan's Labyrinth to be a horror film or a fantasy film, that's also a period piece. Our film isn't set in a, in a period piece, but it, it has a lot of genres together in it. Horror being one of those. And the horror of, of the people is, is more important than the horror of the monster. Well, I guess aside from the pale man and all of that, but you know, the general that's running that, that house and everything, that's the monster. And the references back to the tables of them eating is the, is the, is the table of the pale man eating and and taking and consuming all of these things. And just all the, that's, that's how I consume and look at my horror. Um, And that's the best answer I have for you because while those are all genres that I watch, um, I don't know that those are necessarily our subgenres. I don't know. Those are necessarily sub subgenres that I can successfully pull off. I think Hobo with a shotgun is a film that doesn't work because somebody thought I'm going to make a grindhouse style film and I'm going to get Rudger Hauer and he's going to have a shotgun. It's going to be called Hobo with a shotgun. It's not a very good 
B-movie grindhouse kind of a film because the, the shotgun and the hobo don't show up until the end. And for the rest of it, you just got to watch this really awful film. It was somebody yeah. who was trying to be a sub-genre of horror and didn't pull it off. But I was so excited when I first read about <laughs> it. I remember back in the day, Ain't It Cool News talked it up and I finally rendered it. And I'm like, this is awful. Like, yeah. There's nothing going on. Yeah, it was a it was I I think it was a person who thought I'm going to make a schlocky over the top B movie and then they didn't. But that was what they wanted to do. Um, I and I watch us. I just watched a really great uh, horror film the other day called Session Nine that I thoroughly enjoyed. That was very low budget and whatnot. And I loved that film, which doesn't fall under any of the categories that you put there. And it has some aspects of, like, when you say handheld, I'm going to assume, like, the found footage, Blair Witch kind of a thing. Um, But uh, that was kind of the hallmark of that era. Yeah. And what, every 10, 15 years, another one pops up, you know, Paranormal Activity Mm -hmm. took off and kind of redefined it. Paranormal Activity, yes. (laughs) Like five or six of those or something. Yeah. I think there's seven. Total. Oh wow! Yeah, I had no lot. idea. It's the the Fast and Furious of haunted sheets. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. So I, I hope that answered your question. I, I think it did. Uh, and, uh, that that came from uh, Norm from Texas. So. Yeah. Well, and so Norm, I when uh, I'm horror is something that I feel like I'm still learning and exploring about. Cause when I was a kid, my parents didn't let me watch anything like that. I remember when I snuck watching jaws on HBO, which was a big thing. There was HBO mm-hmm. and showtime were about it. And it was such a big deal. And it just wrecked me to watch jaws as a little kid, but I watched almost no horror. And I was actually very afraid of the horror genre for a very long time. I think I started watching horror movies a little bit, into my like mid to late twenties. Cause I just didn't understand. And I, I feel like I'm still, even though I'm watching when I've just watched one and I have a whole great horror stash, I feel like I'm still learning and digesting and trying to understand what those films are trying to say or what they, what they want to say or anything like that. And, and uh, I enjoy them, but they don't always speak the language that I'm wanting to speak. Sure. Um, I, I think with horror, horror is a, It's a fascinating genre um, in its ability to tell specific stories in specific ways. And wow, the D&D crowd is lively tonight. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, but that's uh, it's D&D night here. At, or someone's uh, been murdered. Guardian Studio. <laughs> um, if that was going on, my spidey sense would have gone off and I would have just left the show. And you would have known something had happened. I, I have I have spidey sense for this place. I have been here so long. It's like, nope, something's wrong. I have to go fix it. Um, <laughs> I'm on the other side of the store. I just know it. Um, lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, well, you were talking about how they're inter- it's just an interesting genre of storytelling in it, it some is. genres. Yeah, and I feel like that, like, I think the way of things isn't going to be. Like horror means different things to different people. Like, like having that list of subgenres is one thing, but there are people that think, "Oh, uh, horror is slasher films." It's like, well, slasher films are horror. Not all horror is slasher films. Mm-hmm. So, 
like I, I think this is going to fit in that in the genre in that place where it's like this is going to be horror that makes you uncomfortable and it's going to make you ask questions and it's going to definitely make you think about what you just watched for longer than it took you to watch it. <laughs> Excellent. I hope, I hope that's the case. That's what we all hope. Yeah. Thank you. It's uh, uh you know, horror, horror has the best audience. I got to tell you, they're forgiving. The does. horror fans can look at you and go, yeah, you, you had $250,000, but you just pulled off uh, a really great horror film. Mm-hmm. You win for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause again, it really, it's, it's really not about the effects or, who the who the bad guy is uh, how much gore you can uh, orchestrate it's 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 the story Mm -hmm. what is the story that you're telling and did you tell it effectively you Mm -hmm. know you and some of the most popular horror films have had like what less than a pint of fake blood texas chainsaw massacre doesn't even have two cups of fake blood Mm -hmm. i watched that for the first time a couple of months ago the original (laughs) one because like i was saying with my answer to norm I was afraid of horror films to a certain degree. So there's a whole world of those early grindhouse horror films. That was a film that I was afraid to watch because I didn't know what I was going to see. I'm, I'm going to admit on the radio that that I'm right there with you. Like (laughs) I watched some horror as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then when I started watching horror again, as a teen, like I was watching I remember being on some school trip. We were all crowded in a hotel room. It's like speech and debate or something like that. Um, and everyone was, it's like, hey, they've got HBO. So that we were watching uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, which I had never seen. Everyone else in the room had seen oh. before. And they're all still freaked out. And I was laughing, which should have been, uh, like, that should have been an indicator right there. But, like, I'm like, this is hilarious. Why are all of you so scared? It's like, because he's terrifying. He does this like, it's a, okay, you and I look at things differently. So I spent a lot of my early 20s just kind of going, well, horror is boring. There's nothing in it. I don't want to watch it. And it wasn't until my 30s where I started going back and watching a lot of the classics like Jaws, like Carrie, and going, now I understand what's going on. Yeah. And now I have a better idea of, what horror is trying to say to me, and I started letting it speak its language to me. Also, you're the only person I know who laughed the first time they saw Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, <laughs> the only one. It was hilarious. Robert <laughs> England's Freddy was hilarious. Uh, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but, 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 but not for the the the, the burn scars no, and, and no. the murder. He's 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 genuinely funny. Like it is a very dark humor in that movie. That they play yes. up from two on, but that first one, it, it was like the the movie that broke me, uh, like the 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 first movie that scared me was Poltergeist, absolutely terrified me. so guy tearing his face apart. I, I had an ent- I had an entirely sleepless night waiting for my stuffed animals to murder Yes, um, yeah, and then the movie that flip that switch in my brain from going, oh my God, this is terrifying to, wait a minute, how'd they do that? Was John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm. Which I saw when I was 12 12 years old and went, 
Oh, Ooh, that's an impressionable film to see at 12. It was. <laughs> and watching it, I could feel myself going, this is horrible. This is horrible. Why am I watching this? Wait, exactly how did they do that with the dog? <laughs> and then I was fine. And I was able to watch the rest of it. I'm like, this is a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it, it that one broke me. It broke my brain for a long time. And people still analyze that film and talk mm-hmm. about it. Yep. Even just a few years ago, somebody pointed something out to me and I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. David Keith doesn't have breath. You can't see his breath, but you can nope. see Kurt Russell's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've seen that thing also, a dozen times. <laughs> I learned something just a few days ago. This person on TikTok, all they do is talk about studio notes that ruined the movies. Yeah. So the thing prequel that I constantly lament mm-hmm. as being pointless was originally written as a sequel that picks up a day after the first movie with the Norwegians showing up where I like, like, cause they're investigating how time we lost contact with our people and them coming to terms with the fact that like, is this alien entity now free? What does it do? And apparently they got through all its writing they started filming it. The studio saw dailies and went like, we don't think people are going to get this because they're going to have to know about the first movie and no one really knows that movie. So let's just make a prequel. Actually, no they really- first wanted to make a remake and the pushback was at least let's make it a prequel. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the one where they, I think they had almost all of that film shot with the practical stuff. And then the studio was like, studio was yeah, like we're going to digitize it all. And they just yeah. went right over the top of it with digital effects. Yeah. Oh, it's heartbreaking. So, you know what, Denise, there probably is a good movie there. The studio ruined it. I don't know why this has to be about me and my feelings about the movie. I'm just saying. Why can't it be about your feelings? I am, uh, because I'm like the only person who doesn't think that film is shit. So mm. whatever. It doesn't matter. I still haven't watched it, it. So I well, don't think well, that. Well, maybe you will and then you will think it's shit. Um, it doesn't matter. The The best iteration of the thing uh, that's, that is spawned from John Carpenter's version is a short story that someone wrote from the perspective of the thing. Oh, I've never creepy. read that. Wow. I haven't actually read it either. There used to be this podcast uh, back in the day, in the early days of podcasts, uh, that would um, take short story submissions and then someone would like voice act it uh, huh. for the podcast. Wow. I'll have to find it because nice. I think about it often. I have to find that. Yeah, it's really good. I was... Loud cars. Aliens. Yeah. I always like whenever someone brings it. I always like it when someone discovers the descent for the first time. Sorry. I'm looking at the the chat. chat. Yeah. That I watched the descent for the first time. It was during the pandemic. So somewhere between 2020 and and 22, 21, somewhere in there. Which version did you see? Uh, I didn't know there was multiple endings, though. Does she get out of the cave at the very end? Yes. Yeah. Through the through like the elk bones and everything that like that. The American the ending. They made There's them an reshoot. alternate. Oh. They made them reshoot it because it's a downer. So the original ending is the creatures just circling in on her as it gets darker and darker. After she blows out the birthday cake in her mind. Yeah. It's darker and darker. You hear them going, they're clicking shrieks and then black credits. Wow. 
I had no okay. Yeah, she's not it. meant to survive. No one's meant to survive. No, no. Well, and that's yeah. I've never seen the descent too because it just seemed like what was the point? This thing nailed it. This was so and, great. Oh, and now I want to see that alternate ending. What's her name is also brought back on the descent too. The yeah. one that has the affair had yeah. the affair and like she somehow survived all that shit. Yeah, it's bad. It's so. Well, and the thing that's cool about the descent is uh, something that I appreciated. Here's a deep cut, Deep Star Six, where half the people are killed by the other half of the people <laughs> on the crew because yeah. they're just messing up and killing each other, you know, goofing up or making mistakes or losing their mind or whatever. So I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know this movie. Deep Star Six is weird. It's oh, not, wow. not, not going to be a great film, but Deep Star Six. So there was... Uh, when James Cameron made The Abyss, a lot of people were making this big push to have films that were going to come out against it. So there was Peter Weller's Leviathan, Leviathan came out about the same yeah. time. Yeah, and then Deep Star Six had, uh, God, that was the BJ and the Bear guy. I can't remember his name. I think Craig it was the one. Craig Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Mia Peoples. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And they were all trying to, like, get in there before The Abyss and, and, and making assumptions on it. Yeah. Who you see in everything. He's one of those, I know that guy. <laughs> he's, and the he's, mm-hmm. he's, yeah. 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 That was kind of the those three. And I'm sure like Asylum or whoever it was, you know, uh, Moonrise Entertainment probably had their kind of like knockoffs of those kind of sea creature monster things mm-hmm. too going on. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll find this one. It's weird. It's very oh, late eighties. I, I love I love eighties yeah. horror yeah. films, and if I've never heard of this one, mm-hmm. doesn't bode well. Oh, look, they've even got a um, a Paul Reiser type. Yeah, <laughs> that's the guy where I said, you know him, you've seen him, and everything. You just don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the dude that played Endo. It's like he's in like every action movie somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm seeing him. Yeah, he's made an entire career of being that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we are running out of time here. So, uh, Martin, if you have any yeah. any final thoughts that you wanted to share. Well, so for anyone and Cable, thank you for being that person that does that. That's huge. And for anybody else that donates, please do. But if you can't donate, if you share through whatever means you have, and even repeatedly, we've got 17 days left. Just share it every day. Share it every other day on Facebook <laughs> or whatever. Talk about it. Go in and follow it. If you follow it, that helps us out too because when we get a lot of follows and a lot of shares, Seed and Spark recognizes that and then they put us out there as well. Yeah. So just just help us out. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the thing anyway. I just I don't want to go into credit card debt and get a divorce over it, but you know, I'm prepared yeah. to do what I gotta do. Yay, filmmaking. Yeah, Same comics. <sighs> yeah. Running haunts. Yeah. Running haunts. Well, That's this right. is taking a dark turn. <laughs> It's not a dark turn. It it's, is, it, it this is, is what reality, I'm supposed to do. Yeah, it's the reality of art being an artist in capitalism. You, We have to talk about it. Otherwise, people will just go, oh, they're just artists. It's fine. It's like, no, it's not. This is what happens. It can it be is, the yeah. reality of things and also a dark turn in the conversation simultaneously. Sure, this, is, this is true. I only, is I'm true. only pointing <laughs> out that we are, you know, I wanted to end on a high note. 
Well, the the high note is thank you for every single person who was on and watched and the question. And it, even if you just go and check it out, I will never know of your existence if you don't do anything, but just go look. Go look at it. Watch the three-minute video. I would I will love you for that and support the art that you do love and that you do want to support because maybe this one isn't for you, but please, please do it for, for whoever and whenever you can. It's so important. So thank you. Thank you so very much for any of your time. And thank you all for having me a part of this. This is so wonderful and lovely. Like I just can't say thank you enough. (laughs) Thank you, Martin. That was, yeah. Thank you. I can echo his statement. You know, on a high note, Hmm. uh, I didn't die. That's great. There you go. There's a high note. Aaron's going to get paid for this. That's how I'm going to leave the high note. There you go. That'd be cool. (laughs) Well, we should wrap it up. Martin, thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week, I have no idea. We'll figure something out. Yeah. You know, we're in the spooky season, so get ready for spooky stuff. Um, So, yeah. I'm Aron Duran. I'm Beanerita. And I'm Cable Ashitani. And our guest has been Martin. Martin. Galaxy Sailor. Yeah, we will talk to everybody next week. Bye, y'all. Take care.